Hello and welcome back. Eddie Rodosovich, George Stoya here in the Soonerscoop.com studios on Campus Corner, Soonerscoop.com YouTube. Make sure you're subscribed. Come on now. We're almost uh, more than halfway done with four the, games uh, left. Four games left. It's crazy. And this is a big one. Bedlam up in Stillwater for the final time for the foreseeable future. 2.30 on ABC, George. And, you know, as bad as things were, I think everybody's somewhat moved on from the uh, Kansas performance a week ago. Uh, this is about as big as it gets when you talk about, uh, you know, everything that goes into Bedlam. I think anybody that lives in the state or has gone to the University of Oklahoma or Oklahoma State uh, kind of knows the the venom that is between the two fan bases. Uh, that's why they call it Bedlam. We don't need to rehash that. But this is an elimination game. It feels like early in the week we were talking a lot about Oklahoma needs to get better here and they need to uh it's a get right game get yeah. back on track as the week's gone on it's been more trash talk I know we'll get into a little bit of that uh, and it feels more like an actual big rivalry game but I do think Oklahoma is very much thinking hey we we have a lot left that we want to accomplish and this is a big week to get back on track you face a really good Oklahoma State team that's playing very confident right now, has one of the better players in the country, Nolly Gordon, who we're going to get into here in a second. But um, it's going to be fun, man. I, I think the fan bases are fired up, it being the last bedlam, uh, at least for for a while. Uh, OSU fans certainly feel confident heading into this, this one, where I think Oklahoma fans are starting to feel maybe a little bit more confident now as the week's gone on. Uh, but uh, lots of stuff to talk about with this one. How much do you think we were there on Monday night and Tuesday night talking to the players? Uh, you know, obviously the college football rankings came out on Tuesday night, as we discussed on the uh, post-practice report uh, back on Tuesday. But how much of it do you think that it was kind of a reminder that, you know, Oklahoma shows up at number nine in the uh, college football playoff. It's a familiar spot for Oklahoma in kind of getting back to where they want to be in a college football playoff contention, getting back to Arlington and playing for a Big 12 championship. Do you think that that played, not necessarily plays into any uh, anything in terms of the game on Saturday, but I think like mentally, psychologically, it kind of reminds players, and even if they aren't going to come out and say it, that you are still somewhat in this. I mean, as, as big of a disaster as it was on Saturday in Lawrence, you can write this thing and still get to Arlington. You control your own destiny going into uh, Saturday and then the the three games after. Definitely. I, I think that it's huge mentally. Uh, you talk about a team that goes in and plays its worst game of the season, and it feels like the earth is falling, right? Uh, but for this group, I think they see the number nine ranking. Everything's in front of them, right? Uh, they still have a chance to go beat a ranked opponent this week, which would be huge on their resume, uh, and going to Stillwater and beating number 22 Oklahoma State. Uh, you have a chance to maybe face Texas again, who's sitting at, in front of them, which I'm sure also maybe made them a little bit upset. Um, and so I think that it kind of reiterates, hey, we are, we're still in this thing. And you think back, Eddie, there's a lot of guys still on this team that have been to the college football playoff or have been in the hunt at least when you think back to 2021. You can even think back all the way to 2019, Jordan Kelly was on that team, Isaiah Coe, uh, a lot of guys that are you know in their fifth, sixth years and knows what this looks like. So I do think it helps them say, okay, the earth really isn't falling. I think it was Isaiah Coe that said this week, nobody died. <laughs> you know, uh, It's time to move on and focus on the next game. And, and the next game just happens to be one of the bigger ones on the schedule. Maybe a little bit earlier than uh, everybody is uh, you know familiar with. I always kind of like when Bedlam uh, coincided with Thanksgiving weekend. But uh, here we are going into a November 4 where Oklahoma and Oklahoma State will be on the field. And the main subject for Oklahoma, especially defensively, George, is stopping Ollie Gordon, a three-time back-to-back-to-back uh, -to -back -to -back Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week. I think that's the first time that had been done in a decade. Uh, you know, probably just flat out, not in the Heisman Trophy race, technically. But if probably you want to talk, be. if you want to talk about like the turnaround that Oklahoma State has uh, kind of undertaken here over the last four weeks, coming out of that bye week against, uh, or after the loss uh, to South Alabama, and then coming out of that bye week with wins over I, uh, Kansas State, Kansas, West Virginia, and Cincinnati, this is all or Ollie Gordon has done. Twenty-one for one thirty-six, six point five per against Kansas State. Twenty-nine, one sixty-eight for five point eight on top of six receptions and 116 yards against Kansas. I think he was the first player to go over 100 yards in the same game in uh, like 
40 years or 50 years for Oklahoma State. Uh, the next week at West Virginia, 29 for 282 at 9.7 yards per carry. And then last week, followed that up with uh, 25 carries, 271 yards, just 10.8 per. Uh, it's, Great stats, Eddie. Thank you. I wrote them down. <laughs> I can you tell. son of a bitch. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's uh, He's been great. Yeah, no. I, I, I don't know any other way to say it. And we talked to Marshall Scott, who you'll yeah. see here in a little bit. I mean, just watching him run, he does have a lot of – and OU fans, be easy in the comments. He does have a look of what we saw with Adrian Peterson. I'm not going to go that far. It I, looks like it. I mean, just from a physical – Yeah, I mean, yeah. The way that he sheds very, tackles. Yes, 100%. The way he um, – when he breaks a tackle, it looks like he's shot out of a cannon. I don't think he has the speed Adrian did. Yeah. Uh, but he is he is so physical, and that's what makes him really good. Because this is – this let's – Remember, too, this is an Oklahoma State offensive line that I honestly don't think is that great. Uh, so for Ollie Gordon to be doing what he's doing is pretty incredible. And, you know, who, I don't care who it's against. Uh, you know, I think I threw out some of the rush defenses that he's done it against, and, and it's not great. But to still be able to do that, and especially just take on the load that he has uh, for this Oklahoma State team, and he's really the reason why they've been able to turn around their season. It's still head-scratching why they weren't giving him the ball at the beginning of the year. Um, and, and maybe their season looks totally different if they were. But, yeah, that's the biggest task for Oklahoma. Look, if they can stop Ollie Gordon, or at least not even stop, because that's probably not going to happen, but contain him in some fashion, Oklahoma should win the football game. And it's going to be a really tough task, especially when you think about, is Danny Stutzman going to play? Uh, it seems like we still don't really know. I think that's going to end up being a game-time decision if he's able to go out there and play. Uh, but it's And you talk about a defensive line that has shown you know great things this year, but it's coming off their worst game of the season. It's a really tall task for Oklahoma, uh, and I think Ollie Gordon can keep Oklahoma State in this game because he is going to come up with those big plays that you're mentioning uh, that we've seen from from past running backs before. And, and Oklahoma State's had great running backs yeah. in the past. This guy uh, is right up there with some of the best of them. He's not Barry Sanders by any stretch, but he's definitely uh, in a different tier than maybe a Chuba Hubbard, um, you know, a, a Jalen Warren, guys that... Oh, we're really effective for a long time for Oklahoma State. It's kind of crazy that he's created this like aura about him, and yeah. it's really been four weeks, and he's just burst onto the scene. I mean, I I think he's probably going to be in the Doak Walker conversation, and he should be in the Heisman conversation. If Oklahoma State keeps winning, uh, and if they do, I would assume he's playing really well. Sure. In terms of a val most valuable player to a team, he is up there as one of the most valuable players I think in the country. No doubt about it. It should also be mentioned Oklahoma will be without the services of Reggie Pearson for the first half on Saturday in Stillwater uh, because of the ejection with the targeting in the end zone last week in Kansas. Stopping all of yours, that's priority number one for Oklahoma's defense. Tackling might, if that if, if stopping Ollie Gordon is number one, uh, I, I think, I guess, like the subsection of that would be tackling, which they were not very good at a week ago in Lawrence. And it seems like that was that was an emphasis this week. Uh, you know, talking to the players this week, they all brought up tackling. Um, you know, I think it was Isaiah Coe, again, that said, the number one reason we're not 8-0 right now is because of tackling. And so when you're going up against a guy like Ollie Gordon this week, it gives you a little bit, uh, you know, cause for concern because of the way that they tackled a week ago. So that has to improve. You also have to be aware of the play action, right? I mean, Alan Bowman, has he been great this year? No, but he's capable uh, and he'll beat you on play action down the field. And they've got some weapons at receiver. We'll see who's available for them. But uh, I think if they can tackle, get Ollie Gordon to the ground, don't give up the big one, right? You don't want to give up the 75-yard touchdown run. Uh, then I think Oklahoma will feel good about themselves in this one. It seems like there's a little bit of confidence, too, there with what they were able to do against Jonathan Brooks, uh, Corey Kiner in Cincinnati, Jonathan Brooks obviously being the Texas running back. Brent Venables was asked about it, as well as a number of Oklahoma defenders and stopping Ollie Gordon. Well, Brooks is, you know, very explosive as well. Uh, can break tackles, and so there's some similarities, obviously, there. Ollie's just, he's just so much, he's just so powerful. Uh, he's got a nice spin move and uh, does a good job in pass protection. You know, he, he mows down a lot of people in pass pro uh, as well. But his, um, his patience for a big guy um, is something that's a little uh, different. It's not just power. He's got speed. And again, he, in the hole, he can make you miss. He makes a lot of people miss. 
Uh, he breaks a lot of tackles, but he makes a lot of people miss. Just excellent feet, and uh, and then he can get to you know full speed, zero to sixty, really fast. Shoot, I mean he he gets a lot of carries. Uh, he's a great running back, big, tall. So I mean, shoot, he just kind of has all the like ability to make those plays happen. So he's, he he has some speed too. Breaks a lot of tackles, so we're just gonna have to, you know, do a good job with him. I just think uh, very similar. Both are they're like explosive, so um, just at that part, they're really explosive, uh, patient. So just gotta be able to cut inside out. I mean, we just gotta make sure we wrap up and make sure we uh, kill the engine, kill his legs, uh, make sure we're not tackling too high. You know, uh, like I said, just gotta kill the engine. I mean, shoot, it's really just about wrapping up. I mean, guys are in the position to make the tackle, so it's really just about wrapping up and keeping them wrapped. So that's about it. I, I got trust in the guys that they're going to do that this week. Great challenge. Uh, I don't necessarily, quote, unquote, have the answers. you you got to play well. That's kind of the uh, the basic premise. And then you got to play physical, play with really good technique. Uh, Tackling is going to be at a premium. We put on a clinic on how not to tackle, particularly in the first half last week. I say that that's a reflection of, of me. Uh, my name's all over that. That's not on uh, the players. Uh, they do have a responsibility, but it starts with me and uh, really disappointed in how we, we tackled last week. And if uh, we don't tackle better than we did last week, uh, uh, Gordon's going to pull away from the pack uh, when it comes to, to college football and rushing Brent Venables talking with the media along with uh, DeSalle McCullough and uh, Kip Lewis talking about the uh, challenge that's out there and it is a massive one uh, you know it's kind of interesting too because I think a couple weeks ago George I think that a lot of us would have said that this is a matchup that Oklahoma will like what you talked about with Oklahoma State's offensive line versus yep. an Oklahoma, Oklahoma defensive line that had been really really good here over the last couple weeks do you put that on just how good Kansas and Central Florida have been at rushing the ball, or are they taking a step back just as a unit? I think they've taken a little bit of a step back, and some of it has to do with what Kansas and UCF do, right? They, they run a lot of deceptive stuff, uh, make you shift around a lot on the defensive line. Oklahoma State's not going to do as much as that. I wouldn't be shocked if they put some of that uh, in their playbook this week just because Oklahoma has struggled with it a bit. Um, but I think it was also, you chalk it up, they had a bad performance at Kansas. And I still like this matchup for Oklahoma because you look at it, if, if Oklahoma State's one-dimensional, uh, which they, they mostly have been, if Oklahoma can build up some sort of a lead on Saturday, maybe they get up two scores, all of a sudden Oklahoma State's going to have to start moving the ball a little bit more quickly. They can't just turn around and hand it off to Ollie Gordon on every possession. And that puts them in a tough spot. And so that's why it's going to be really interesting re interesting to see what the offense does, I think, on Saturday too for Oklahoma. Because, again, if they can score some points, I don't know if Oklahoma State can keep up uh, by, again, turning around and just handing it to Ollie Gordon. Because while Ollie Gordon will break off some big runs, uh, he's also a guy that will just get a little bit here and there. And they're going to try and run some clock. They don't want Oklahoma to have the ball as much. So uh, I think that kind of plays into Oklahoma's hands. And again, if Oklahoma sells out to stop the run uh, and they say, hey, Alan Bowman beat us, I just don't know if Alan Bowman right now is playing good enough to throw the ball, you know, 30, 40 times and beat Oklahoma. And that leads us into uh, item number two here in the opponent preview, and that is Oklahoma offensively. I think if, uh, you know, anybody watched our show on Tuesday or listened to Brent Venable's talk to the media, George, aggressive. That is uh, probably the number one uh, talking point coming out of the Oklahoma offensive room right now is they need to be more aggressive than they were on Saturday. And they, again, play a defense this week that they should be able to score on. You look at them statistically, Oklahoma State has not been good in rushing defense. I think 101st in the country in rushing defense. Oh, you should be able to run the football. Passing defense, uh, I believe, is in the 80s or 90s right now. They should be able to make some big plays down the field. Uh, you know, we, we talked to Marshall Scott. He mentioned it. They've got some young guys in that secondary that I think Oklahoma can take advantage of. But we've seen it in the past, Eddie. These last two weeks, they haven't faced great defenses, and the Oklahoma offense has stalled. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what is Jeff Lebby's game plan. Does he go out and maybe be almost overly aggressive this week? Let Dylan Gabriel throw the football, which we didn't see a week ago, uh, and kind of take over that game. Because like I said, if Oklahoma can come out and jump out to an early lead, maybe a 14-point lead, 10-point lead, whatever it is, all of a sudden you're putting Oklahoma State 
and in a really tough spot in what they're doing offensively. Well, and I think that if you're able to do that, if you're able to build a big lead in the uh, first quarter and they raced out to the 28 to nothing lead a year ago, I think it's almost imperative that Jeff Levy keeps the foot on the gas. Because how many times have we seen Oklahoma build a big lead and then all of a sudden you're looking around and they do get whatever that is, conservative or uh, you know just trying to maintain possession of the football. It doesn't necessarily work, and I think that's when you start getting into the conversation of, uh, you know, it's it's almost like you're uh, you're afraid to lose in a way. Think about last year's Bedlam. You mentioned the twenty-eight nothing lead. They didn't score again the rest of the game. Oklahoma State almost came back in that game uh, if it weren't for Spencer Sanders turning the ball over as many times as he did. So I think that that's going to be imperative because I do think Oklahoma is the better football team. Uh, I do, and I think there's going to come a point where they are you know, controlling the momentum, they take a lead in the game, whenever that may be, and whenever that happens and they get a defensive stop, they have to go take advantage of it on offense and go score and maybe put, maybe not necessarily put the game away, but put it in or at a reach point that Oklahoma State has to start forcing things. And that's where teams often make mistakes, especially when you have a quarterback that does maybe turn the ball over, put, some, put the ball in a bad spot, and again, kind of take Ollie Gordon out of the game. Because if Oklahoma wants to win this, Again, I don't think they're going to stop Ollie Gordon, but you can somewhat take him out of the game if you're able to build a little bit of a lead. There were some frustrations on the offensive side of the football, and that is pretty obvious last weekend. Lawrence, that was still the topic of conversation on Monday and Tuesday, talking to players and coaches. Here is Brent Venables, Dylan Gabriel, Jalil Farouk, and a number of Oklahoma offensive players talking about those frustrations. Frustrating was Saturday. Inability to get the ball downfield. Yeah, it was tough. Uh, just... Tough pill to swallow for sure, but uh, you know that's part of the game of, of you know flushing it and learning to get better this week. And um, you know we got a tough challenge ahead, so uh, being able to just put all our focus into OK State. I think the opportunity was there, um, and uh, you know wishing is not going to do anything, but uh, uh, you know we do need to be maintain an aggressive mentality. Um, there's always that balance when you're trying to be efficient and. Uh, you know, protect the football and, uh, you know, but at the same time, you know, at the right time, take your shots for sure. We've got good players that can run past people and go up and make competitive plays. Yeah, it was frustrating at times. Um, I think the, the rain, I mean, I, not to make excuses or anything like that, but um, I'd say there were times we tried to push the ball down the field and um, we're going to continue to try and do that and complement that with good running game and good defense and then continue to just play Oklahoma football and play the standard that Coach Venable sets for us. You feel like when you guys have gotten rolling this year offensively, you've been super aggressive? Yeah, I think I think there's times when it all just comes together, uh, whether that be pushing the ball downfield or running the ball really well, getting to load the box, and we push it downfield or extend the ball once they load the box, extend it to the perimeter run game and the touch game and stuff like that. And Yeah, it really is a beautiful thing when it all comes together. Yeah, I think that's always been our, our uh, kind of attitude, I guess you could say, um, you know, week to week, uh, just setting the tone and being the aggressor. But, um, of course, this week for sure. Interesting uh, comments coming out of the uh, some of the Oklahoma offensive players there, George. And I, I thought it was kind of interesting that they were so open and a little bit honest about the frustrations that came out of last week. And I think that we know we've talked about it. We talked about it on the unofficial 40 this week. Uh, just in terms of, I think that there has been a conversation with Jeff Levy. You have to be more aggressive if you want this offense to start clicking again. Definitely. And I've even heard, you know, as soon as the plane ride back from Lawrence, there was somewhat of a, a come to Jesus meeting among the offensive coaches and, and saying, hey, we have to be more aggressive. They, they took the ball out of Dylan Gabriel's hands late in that game. I think you could even tell, you know, from those comments uh, from Dylan on Tuesday and even going back to Saturday after the game, he was maybe a little upset by that uh, and obviously upset with how the game played out. So I do think Oklahoma is going to get back to some of that stuff. But again, uh, we've seen it at times this year. Eddie looked great, and then at times it just totally sputters, uh, especially in big spots when they have a chance to maybe put the game away. So maybe Oklahoma can figure out that this week uh, because if they can, I really like their, their chances. And, and again, this is an Oklahoma State defense that is playing a little bit better, but there's no reason Oklahoma shouldn't be able to go out there and score maybe close to 40 points. And if they do, I, I like their chances in this game. Should be interesting. Uh, for more information on the matchup and the Oklahoma State turnaround here over the last month or so, 
we welcomed in Marshall Scott from PistolFiringBlog.com to talk about the Cowboys. Marshall, thanks for joining us today, and uh, I'm sure that it's the same in uh, Stillwater as it's been in Norman here over the last couple of days. Uh, this is a massive game, and for a lot of reasons, uh, probably a little bit different than a lot of people were thinking uh, maybe even a couple weeks ago, but uh, here it is. It's kind of an elimination game, right? Yeah, absolutely. When I, you know, you mentioned the month of September, it, it looked like this game was going to be maybe 50 to four. <laughs> I don't even know how Oklahoma State manages four points. Um, but yeah, now all the marbles are on the table. It, it's not only exciting because of the Big 12 title implications, it's exciting because it's the last bedlam. OSU fans aren't very um, thrilled with OU right now, I guess you could say. And it, it's even more so than it usually is, it feels like. So it, it, it seems like it's going to be a lot of fun. What what has been the biggest difference coming out of this bye week? Uh, I think that a lot of people, uh, including probably George and myself, that uh, saw the South Alabama, Alabama game, the way that Oklahoma State was playing at the time, uh, I think the easiest answer would probably be Ollie Gordon and the way that he's uh, carried the rock here over the last couple of weeks. But uh, is it more than that? Is it more than just Ollie Gordon and what he's been able to do offensively? I think that's the, obviously the main reason. It's hard to, you know, that guy's been going crazy. But, you know, settling on a quarterback, it, it's just overall made the offense flow more. I don't know that Alan Bowman is so much better than the other two guys that they were using. But just having one guy has seemed to to, to allow some stability to move on. Um, Dalton Cooper, who I know OU fans aren't very happy with right now, um, they, they moved him from left tackle. He wasn't starting at the beginning of the year, and he was kind of the backup right tackle. Um, some injuries made him play right tackle. Then he finally moves over to left tackle, which is where he played at Texas State. Um, surely the offensive, surely that didn't fix the offensive line in general. I'm not exactly sure how the offensive line has been fixed. It's the same guys really from last year plus Dalton Cooper. Um, surely it wasn't as simple as moving Dalton Cooper to left tackle, but that seems to have fixed a lot of issues that Oklahoma State was having. So uh, a combination of those things. And then and then you've got Ollie Gordon, who's just been um, as good a running back as I think I've ever seen with my two eyes. Marshall, Ollie Gordon's going to be the talk all week. Eddie and I uh, got into it a little bit earlier about Ollie and what makes him great. But I want to know about Alan Bowman because it feels like he's playing just good football right now. He's, he's not turning the ball over, it seems. He's, he's making smart decisions, playing within – uh, the offense. What have you maybe seen from him, also from just a leadership standpoint for this group? Yeah, he's been really steady, um, which is something that you, you know, as as good as the highs were with Spencer Sanders last year, um, you were going to have those random three or four interception games that just kind of compounded on each other. Um, he's been really steady. His completion percentage isn't great, um, but that's because if if it's not there, he's going to roll out and he's going to throw the ball out of uh, out of bounds. So I, I think that's been really good for a run focused team that you know they're not giving extra possessions to other teams i i think that's kind of been his biggest um positive so far and, and it, it kind of you know the term system quarterback has a negative connotation it's kind of like brock purdy with the 49ers everybody's like well anybody could do what he's doing um but but i think that it takes a special kind of quarterback to be able to to step in to to maybe not go all ego and say i need to throw for 350 or whatever um he's just kind of solidly getting the job done and, and whenever he needs to, to to make some throws he's made some really good throws um, he, he's had a couple this year that have, you know, gone right over linebackers or cornerbacks heads, um, and, and into a tight window. He's also had some, some questionable balls that he's thrown that, that maybe should have been intercepted here lately that haven't been. Uh, but I think the, just the, the steadiness that he's provided, uh, matches really well with what Ollie Gordon has been doing. Let's talk some of the guys that he's throwing the football to, uh, Leon Johnson has obviously, uh, come on as of late, uh, as the 145 yard day, uh, last week against Cincinnati. Who are some of the other guys I think Oklahoma fans are probably familiar with? Brendan Presley, Jaden Bray. What's his status going into Saturday? And uh, anybody else that, uh, you know, I think OU fans should uh, maybe be looking for on Saturday? Yeah, the, the wide receiver group is kind of a big question mark entering this game. Um, Jaden Bray didn't play last week. Blaine Green didn't play last week. Talon Shetron didn't play last week. Um, I don't think they're going to get Shetron back. Um, maybe they get Bray back. Maybe they get Green back. Um, Gundy's always been tight-lipped about injuries, but but this year he's almost not even entertaining the questions. He just kind of moves on um, to, to whatever the next part of it is. Um, so it's, if it is Leon Johnson, and then the Leon Johnson thing, that's a little interesting because he's played four games now. He is a senior. If he plays one more game, there goes his college eligibility. It's out the window. And they've told him, they, were, they told him, you know, at the beginning of the year that he's going to redshirt. Um, so, so that's just kind of like a big personal deal that he's got going on. So, it, so if he plays on, on Saturday – his eligibility is done. That probably means they're going to use him quite a bit um, throughout the season. So I think, you know, most of the time coming into this game, Oklahoma State's the one dealing with injuries and, and OU's kind of more of the healthy team. 
Um, right now, it kind of seems like OU's got more injury question marks, but all of o- OSU's injury question marks are kind of at those outside receiver spots. So I expect a, a healthy dose of Brendan Presley. Uh, Rashad Owens has been really good. He's been here for three or four years now, and he's always kind of like the forgotten guy because he's not as overly flashy. Um, they'll move him. They moved him to Cowboy back at times last year, which is now tight end. Um, they, they've moved him around a little bit. And, and then when Dejon Stribling went down, the Washington State transfer at the beginning of the year, um, they moved him over to that Z spot, and, and he's played really well there. So um, it, it's not that Oklahoma State fans, I don't think, are worried about the receiving core, but you just don't really know who's going to get thrown out there this weekend. Marshall, let's talk about the other side of the ball. New defensive coordinator, kind of a, a shaky start for those guys on that side. It seems like they've kind of settled in a really good performance against Cincinnati this last week. Who are some of the guys standing out on that side of the ball, and what do they need to do to, to maybe slow down this Oklahoma offense? Yeah, going into the year, it was all about – Kendall Daniels at safety, who is a freakazoid. Um, you, you guys will see him on Saturday. He just looks different than everybody else. Um, I, I've told the story a couple times, but Brian Nardo had the, the safeties over for for a dinner, team dinner um, one night, and, and they took a big picture. And it looked like Kendall Daniels just missed the defensive line dinner and showed up to the safety dinner because like that was the the, the earliest available one. He is huge. He looks like a freak. Um, I, it wouldn't surprise me if at some point they move him up to linebacker. Um, so, anyways. Uh, Kendall Daniels, Colin Oliver, um, they've they've been releasing him off the edge a little bit more. They moved him back to linebacker this year um, away from defensive end. Um, I, I think that's kind of been part of the defensive turnaround that they've been able to have. You know, using him as a pass rusher a little bit more um, has really opened things up. And then is the Nicholas Martin show. Um, he's he, He's been incredible. He's, you know, had two 17 tackle games. He's leading the Big 12 in tackles. And it's crazy. You lose Malcolm Rodriguez to the NFL. Then Mason Cobb stepped into that middle linebacker role. He transfers to USC uh, to be with Lincoln Riley, kind of another tie that that these two schools have. Um, so he leaves. And and then they bring in Justin Wright from Tulsa, who was Tulsa's leading tackler like the last three years. I think everybody just assumed, hey, Justin Wright's going to be OSU starting middle linebacker. That wasn't even the case before Justin Wright got hurt. It was Nicholas Martin, who's a retro sophomore, and nobody really knew a ton about. He's a little undersized. He's really stoic. He's really like calm. He's Now that I say this, he'll probably do a backflip if he gets a sack or something like that. But he'll almost just clobber a guy and then walk right back to his spot, which is kind of freaky. Um, so he's been outstanding. And then at that corner, they've got Corey Black, who hasn't been thrown out a ton this year. Uh, and then they use kind of two corners on the other side. They'll probably start with Cam Smith, but then DJ McKinney, who's a redshirt freshman, he has been really good for OSU this year. In the past, I think it's been the t- past two weeks, maybe two of the last three weeks. Um, he's had a big pass breakup on a fourth down that's essentially iced the game for Oklahoma State. So um, it, it's kind of coming together defensively. Um, they're really young on the back end. They've got freshmen in Cam Epps, McKinney, who I mentioned. Even Kendall Daniels is only in his like second or third year like actually playing. Um, so so those guys, it, it seems like every time OSU gives up a scoring play, it's a 50-yard bust um, in, in coverage. Um, so they're probably good for one or two of those on Saturday. But other than that, they, they have been playing pretty solid. Seems like that's kind of coincided with Oklahoma State's uh, you know last four weeks, as well as they played offensively and as well as Ollie Gordon has played. They've been opportunistic. It seems like the uh, the turnovers have come in bunches. Uh, would that be though on the back end, uh, you know, at the safety and quarterback positions? Is that probably maybe the uh, the weakness that you would see that maybe Jeff Levy, if they wanted to air it out, that's something they could attack? Yeah, I think so uh, for sure. Especially just just deep shots in general. Um, and, and I know that's kind of like a question mark um, from the OU side coming in that they didn't take a ton against Kansas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but the, there there will be broken coverages. Those guys are really young. Um, there will be a time, and especially in Bedlam, it always seems like there's some H-back that's just streaking down the field that, that nobody even touched going off the line of scrimmage. Um, so, so I'd expect one or two of those. Uh, but yeah, those are, those are kind of the, the breakdowns. Um, Cam Epps, who I mentioned, he's had a couple of those, but he's also had three picks this year. Um, so as, as you talk about like the, the opportunistic part of it, um, he's been a guy that, that teams have thrown at, and some of the times they've gotten the better of him, some of the times he's gotten the better of them. So uh, that, that's kind of an interesting matchup to see kind of how Cam Epps plays and what will be his first meaningful Bedlam. I know a lot of people don't want to talk about special teams, but Oklahoma has really struggled on special teams as of late and, and really all season. Is that an area Oklahoma State feels like they can take advantage of? I mean, I mean, tell us a little bit about what Oklahoma State's special teams has looked like so far this year. Yeah, so just starting at kicker, Alex Hale has been outstanding. He missed two um, on Saturday, but they were like 40-plus yarders in the you know slippery rain and stuff like that. I don't know that I'm going to hold a ton of that to him. Um, he actually what was that, the 2020 season? Um, he was OSU starting kicker in warmups, blows his ACL in Norman. Um, so then Tanner Brown comes in. Tanner Brown kicks the next two years. 
and now Alex Hale is back. Um, so, so that's kind of an interesting storyline to follow. Um, in, in terms of punts, punt returns have been interesting for Oklahoma State this year. Some people are kind of getting a little freaked out by Brandon Presley, uh, maybe not catching them as cleanly as they would like, um, but he's so electric whenever he does have the ball in his hands. You know, the kickoff last or in 2021 uh, against OU um, comes to mind. So I, I think that they will maybe try if they kick to Presley. He'll, he'll, he might take one or two out, you know, that you're not seeing that a ton in college football nowadays with the fair catch rules. Um, and then aside from that, punter's been kind of all right this year. They've kind of been rotating two guys. Um, they've been kind of all right there. I think punt coverage has been pretty good. So, um, and, and they blocked quite a bit of, you know, extra points, field goal attempts. Um, so it's just kind of a staple of a Mike Gundy team. He really likes, um, he really tries to model, you know, build some Bill Snyder stuff. Um, calls them the hidden yards um, of special teams. So I, I think that's an area where um, Oklahoma State will try and steal a little bit this weekend. There's definitely been a lot of bedlams with some big special teams plays. I'm sure we'll yeah. see see one on Saturday, I bet. No doubt. I, I, Jalen Saunders, I mean, in recent memory, mm-hmm. and then obviously Tyree Kill a couple years ago, Michael Honeycutt had the fake field goal in Stillwater. It seems like any of these rivalry games, whether it be OU Texas or OU OSU, uh, there's always something there. Uh, a little bit of the off-the-field stuff. I'm sure that, uh, just like us, it's been fun uh, just, I guess, tracking the social media and, uh, you know, the Dalton Cooper stuff or the Trace Forward comments this morning. Uh, it adds a little bit of juice to the game. I know that Oklahoma State fans, uh, just in terms of their feelings for Trace Forward, it's uh, probably not a lot of love lost. Is that maybe the uh, the most PC way to say it? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, and he was kind of the first. You know, there's been like baseball players and stuff like sure. that, but but him and Kelly Maxwell were kind of the first two to to really step out of there in the limelight of of these big you know sports. So um, yeah, just based on his comments, and, and and I haven't had a bad interaction with Trace in, in the media and interviews and stuff like that. So uh, I think it's all fun in games. In Dalton Cooper's comments, I think the same way. I think it's all fun in games, and I think it's even more funny whenever people hook line and sinker bite whatever that you know they're trying to sell them you know whenever dalton cooper says most of ou's fans didn't go to ou and then all those ou fans who didn't go to ou are in those mentions like he got the reaction that he's wanting out of you so uh yeah i think it's all fun and good i think these are things that that we're gonna miss uh kind of moving forward when this game's not a thing anymore that's what i was gonna ask you next marshall what is the feeling in stillwater this being the last bedlam osu's playing good i'm sure fans are, are somewhat confident heading into this but are there are fans upset this is the last one are they kind of like hey we don't care uh you know we're better off I mean what is the feeling I guess among OSU fans this being the last bedlam yeah it's a little split I think but I think the majority is more so wants wants to see what Oklahoma State can be without the looming shadow of Oklahoma I think that's kind of the the overwhelming majority at this point you know OU doesn't you know want to be here that's fine they can leave I I think that's for the most part uh what most Oklahoma State fans think but there are are still some that that are going to miss this are going to you know this is a big game for for Oklahoma State you know obviously Oklahoma has Texas and Oklahoma State as two rivalry games on a year and year in year out basis Oklahoma State kind of doesn't have that moving forward is it going to be Texas Tech that's going to be a rival is it going to be like a Kansas State so um that's kind of something that that Oklahoma State's going to have to figure out and I think you know five years from now I think those those fans that were saying, okay, I'm ready to see what OSU looks like out from under OU shadow. I think those fans are going to, you know, kind of miss what we had here in the in-state rivalry. I know my Oklahoma State buddies, uh, they always talk about Mike Gundy this time of the year, especially during Bedlam week. And it's been kind of interesting, the contrast between the way Brent Venables has talked about big games and rival games and the way that Mike Gundy talks about it. I think he really kind of embraces it. Brent, uh, Brent Venables kind of uh, pushes it, not necessarily to the aside by any means, but it's just, you know, win the week, just another game. Does Mike Gundy, in a way, does he make it too big of a deal? Does, does it is it something, and you look at the record and, you know, the lack of success, or is it, uh, just in your opinion, something that they just haven't been able to get over the hump in? Yeah, I, so I think that OSU fans would disagree highly with your take. <laughs> I, I think that Oklahoma State fans think, I think they would like him to show a little bit more sure. that, that this game means more. Whenever he got asked, I think it was Garen Emig asked him yeah. uh, earlier this week. They, they said, you know, is this is a big game. And I think he said that Kansas State was even bigger. And, and that was, and like, initially, I just kind of like stepped back for a second. But but he was saying, you know, the, this game is only big because of the games in, in previous weeks because they won those games. So I, I think, you know, the Mike Boynton approach is this is personal. We don't like them. I, I think that they're, it's a group of Oklahoma State fans that would like him to to be more like that. And I, I listened to you guys 
um, earlier in the week. And uh, I think it was you, Eddie, you said it, it's hard to imagine that Mike Gundy is three and 15 uh, against the Sooners. It's crazy. Uh, the Oklahoma State, yeah, the Oklahoma State fan base is very, very well aware uh, <laughs> of Mike Gundy's struggles in this game. So it, it very, it, it kind of feels like he hasn't won one ever. Uh, I think to a lot of those those um, Oklahoma State fans. Last one for me, Marshall. What would it mean, I guess, for the Oklahoma State program to win what is quote unquote the final bedlam? I'm sure they're going to get together at some point again, sometime down the line. But what would it mean, and, and what needs to happen on Saturday for OSU to pull off an, an upset win? Yeah, I, I think it would mean everything. You know, they're not going to catch up in the in the series history. I, I think ever, especially not Saturday. But that's something that Oklahoma State fans could hold over OU fans for. Just like whenever OU fans say, "Well, it's ninety to," you know, I, I don't know the, the thing. But whenever you know they say the series history, Oklahoma State fans can say, "Oh yeah, well, we won the last one." So I, I think that means a ton to a lot of people. Um, how Oklahoma State wins the game, I think it's got to be through Ollie Gordon. Um, he's been incredible. I've I, it, a couple of weeks ago, I didn't want to say that he was better than Justice Hill, Chuba Hubbard, or Jalen Warren. I was like, well, let's let's wait and see how things go. And now I'm like, I, I in some ways kind of want to compare him to Adrian Peterson in the way that he runs. Whenever he get, gets his stride going, it's like nobody's going to tackle that guy, even if they catch him. Um, so I, I'm trying to hamper expectations a little bit with him just because he is a sophomore this has only been happening for you know six or whatever weeks now uh but i i think that if oklahoma state's going to win the game it's going to be through ollie gordon just because they haven't really shown uh another way to this point that they can you know win games it, it's been the ollie gordon show for a while now you've been at a lot of big games in stillwater i would imagine uh saturday that place will be peaking at about 2 30 and it's already a unique setting just in terms of uh, the way that people are right on top of everybody inside the stadium uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm I'm excited for it, and uh, he is Marshall Scott from Pistols Firing. We appreciate it, man. Thanks for catching up. Thank you, guys. You bet. Thanks, Marshall. See ya. Once again, a special thank you to Marshall for uh, joining us here leading into Bedlam Week, which, George, I think that you've been up to plenty of games in Stillwater, a fun place. It's a fun atmosphere. It's a fun tailgating scene. Uh, it's going to be about as electric as I can possibly remember it and I feel like every time that I'm up there it's for a bedlam game I went up to the Texas game uh, uh, last year to just hang out with some buddies full disclosure get drunk on a party bus on the way up to Stillwater but it's it, it's gonna be a lot of fun on Saturday yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be electric uh, hostile rowdy you there's not enough adjectives for what it's going to be when you talk about the way Oklahoma State's playing right now they're they're confident I think they're a confident fan base right now uh, and then you add in all the talk about this being the last bedlam, Oklahoma kind of leaving Oklahoma State behind, leaving the Big 12, going to the SEC. Uh, I think there's a lot of OSU fans. You heard it from Marshall right there. It would mean everything, uh, I think, is what he said for OSU to win this game. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Something that was brought up at Brent Vittable's press conference on Tuesday real quick you worried about the discipline? I mean, you had the you had the the false starts and stuff that has had to put OU behind the chains. The you know obviously the big one with Nick Anderson at the end of the game when you're trying to put it away. Uh, a lot of youngsters in terms of guys that haven't been up to Stillwater, newcomers that haven't been up to, to Stillwater before. Is there any concern there that the crowd can play a major factor in this? I think so. And, I mean, it's been a problem for Oklahoma all year. Um, you know, they're the most penalized team in the Big 12 right now uh, for all the conspiracy theorists out there um, about the Big Interesting. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but, no, I think it, it's certainly something you add in, you know, the Trace Ford factor, which we'll get into. Um, you know, I just think that this is going to be a very chippy game. I know you mentioned that is one of the more chippy games in Lawrence this past week. Um, I think this game's probably going to be even more chippy. You've already seen some of the trash talk back and forth between the players. Uh, I do think that Oklahoma has to be aware. Look, false starts, delay of games, those things can't happen, but neither can, you know, taunting. Uh, we've seen a couple of those from Oklahoma this year. Sure. Uh, unsportsmanlike penalties, that can't happen. You can't have coaches yelling at the officials on the sideline. Yeah. Uh, those sort of things are what can bite you in this type of a game. And think about the the, the snap issues that they had in Cincinnati. Yep. Now, I think that that's something that has been resolved. They haven't had too many issues with that. Uh, when you come out of the Texas side of the Cotton Bowl and you make the way down uh, down the field, they didn't have a problem with that either in the fourth quarter. And that was with uh, you know two relatively fresh guys yep. in Caden Green and uh, Caleb Schaefer at guard. So 
that's something to watch for. We did talk to a number of the players this week talking about the experience in Boone Pickens Stadium, and here that is. I do not like them. Um, last time we played them, obviously it was at home. You know, they were uh, the quote-unquote better team. And we all know how that went, you know. But last time I played them two years ago, you know, we were kind of, we were up what? We were up by like 8, 12, somewhere around that range. You know, we came back and lost. So, you know, obviously this being the last one and all, and all that, you know, that's good for the fans. But, you know, I'm trying to win this game. I don't really like them. I'm pretty sure they don't like us, you know. But I'm just trying to win this game. Pretty much simple. Yeah, we we ourselves have some pretty tight yeah. sidelines. I know it's not a away game, but um, no, I just heard a, a bunch from it. You know, it, it being a cool stadium, cool atmosphere. So excited to be a part of it. I mean, just like the Texas game, uh, it's a rivalry game. So I mean, you just gotta let them know how the game's gonna be, uh, what the environment's gonna be like, and and just uh, have extreme focus and make sure they're focused. Being uh, up there a couple times. Um, I think one year, I don't know, I didn't play out, I had an injury, but a couple years back, I last somewhere there. But yeah, it's definitely a, a very chaotic atmosphere, hostile at times. Um, games are 2.30, so I'm sure those paddles will be beating the sides of the, the building, and, and that's great. Does it help having gone through the Texas game before heading into this one? Yeah, I mean, I think just it helps going through all the games, just building experience in general and uh, learning learning lessons throughout the season and, and then fighting through adversity. And obviously we had a lot of adversity last week and so we're ready to put our best foot forward this week. Oh, oh, for sure. I mean, from what I've watched, I've watched some past games, like just some highlights and stuff like that. It looks really intense. So, I mean, I'm excited. I love games like that. You know, just like how Texas was, you know, I love games like this. So I think this is where we're working to shine as a team. The Bedlam gods have shined on us. As I'm looking at Twitter as we're recording this, Mark Clayton and Tatum Bell are going back and forth together, uh, making making $100 bets on the game. Uh, and if you didn't uh, have enough storyline, uh, Trace Ford has added that as well this week with, uh, you know, I think uh, some interesting comments on the morning animals in Oklahoma City. Uh, and let's just, let's go ahead and play it. Yeah. And then we'll come back and we'll, we'll talk about it. Here's Trace Ford on the morning animals today. Did you hear that comment, by the way? I asked Gundy that question on your behalf. Is it unique for you to know Trace is on the other side in this game? Um, I've watched a lot of tape and honestly have not paid, not paid attention or noticed. Um, I, I look at concepts, schemes, numbers, what I think ability is, not ability, what to attack, what I want to stay away from, things like that more so than necessarily who it would be. Um, so I don't really notice things like that. Tracy didn't even know you were gone. Mm-mm. Gundy, Gundy, Gundy <laughs> is really smart with the media. He knows exactly what to say. He's a little celebrity when it comes to that stuff. He loves being petty, and I can't wait to play it. I can't wait to see his face. You know, if he hasn't seen me on film yet, I hope he does this weekend. Did you ever hear from Mike Gundy or the OSU staff or any of the coaches when you decided to make the announcement you're going to Oklahoma? Not once. Gundy doesn't care that I left. He didn't care that I was leaving. When I was about to leave, I tried to inform him and care. So the staff, I don't think me and the staff have the best relationship. Some of the coaches still text me to this day, but not all of them. Not all of them, that's for sure. So, you know, the players are in good shape with me. I still talk to the players. I've talked to a couple players this week, last week. I still go to the games when I can, but... When I was informing the coaching staff of thinking about leaving, they they were like, "Okay, get on out of here, then." Pretty much, like we don't want to talk to you. So that's that's just the life we live in, though, and it is what it is. Spicy, spicy indeed. You had the Dalton Cooper Oklahoma offensive tackle or Oklahoma State offensive tackle talking about Oklahoma fans, and then you know people digging through his uh, old tweets and bringing those uh, basically uh, an Oklahoma version of old takes exposed. But uh, the Trace Ford stuff's great. And I know that you're writing about him on Friday uh, leading up into the game. It's a it's a truly interesting spot because I think that, you know, they've had – there's been players that have transferred, uh, golfers, you've had oh, yeah. baseball players. This one's – this was a significant one. And the uh, – you know, I think the, the venom from the Oklahoma State side of things was – understandable to a certain extent. I think they're, you know, just like everybody else in the world of college football, you take it probably a level 
too far, but uh, you hear those comments, and uh, I don't think that he's going to be getting invited to uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas at the Gundy's. I just love that every time there's something, you know, a big game like this, and everybody says, that's just another game. For Trace Ford, it is not just another game. Right. And I think he made that very clear, and I expect him to have a good game. I, I mean, I was telling you earlier, wouldn't it be – um, perfect if he goes out there and has a you know a big strip sack or a big play on Ollie Gordon something like that or he goes out and has a big penalty or or uh, something I mean the fan base is going to let him hear it there in Stillwater and you know I spoke to his his mom for a bit the other day too and it just there's no love lost I think there uh, which is always interesting because you know you go back to his recruitment out of uh, Edmund Santa Fe. Uh, he was somebody Oklahoma didn't even offer, yeah. uh, and he felt snubbed by Oklahoma. He didn't like Oklahoma. Obviously, that was the previous staff. Uh, you know, Miguel Chavis, Brent Venables were the first ones to call him when he entered the portal, uh, and he's ended up being a really nice player for Oklahoma. I know maybe the stats don't always show it uh, when you look at his statistics, but he's been playing a ton for Oklahoma, uh, and he's going to be a pivotal part of what Oklahoma's doing on, on Saturday, containing that edge. Uh, and it's just going to be fun, man. It, it's what makes the rivalry so much fun. And, and the transfer portal, whether you hate it or not, uh, you maybe you like it for reasons like this. It makes this game uh, just a little – it gives you just another storyline uh, to watch on Saturday. For one final time, which I think is starting to become a little bit more real, that this is the final Bedlam showdown uh, on the gridiron for what is going to be a long, long time. I, I think that that is something, George, that you wrote about on Thursday, you had a conversation with Joe Castiglione, Oklahoma Athletic Director, and uh, just kind of give us an overview, and you can read that story on Suterscoop.com uh, in more detail, but uh, it's sad. Like, this thing is uh, going to be, uh, you know, Texas and Texas A&M went through this. They're obviously reuniting next year when Oklahoma and Texas make the move to the SEC, but uh, this is it for Bedlam for a while on the gridiron. And I brought that up with Joe Castiglione, the, the Texas and Texas A&M example, and he said that that's not what he wants to happen here. You know, I think he wants it to be sort of like when Nebraska left, right? Um, you know, they didn't play for a while because of scheduling conflicts. Uh, that's the same case here. That you know, the next opening where both teams have an opening for a Power Five opponent is not till 2031. So that's the earliest we could see it. It might still be difficult because I'm sure that they want to do some sort of home and home series where it's back to back years. If you're looking at it like that, it probably won't be till 2037, 2038, um, at least for the regular season. I think there's obviously a chance these two teams could meet in a bowl game uh, or maybe even the college football playoff when it expands. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely stinks. And, and I think Joe, Joe Castiglione realizes that he wants to make it happen. I think there were some folks on the Oklahoma State side when this originally went down that definitely did not want this to, to happen. They didn't want to play Oklahoma again. I, I think even talking to Marshall Scott, Sounds like there's still some Oklahoma State fans that don't want it to happen, sure. but it's great for the state. Um, you know, I think two really historic programs. I know Oklahoma's kind of dominated the series, but I do think that it's great for the two programs, and hopefully they find some middle ground in the future. It just might be a while, uh, from my understanding, just because, again, they can't get out of those contracts uh, that they already have with other opponents. I mean, you look at Oklahoma's future schedule, they've already got Michigan, Nebraska, um, you know, Clemson way down the line already scheduled. So it, it makes it kind of difficult. But Joe did also tell me, and we've reported this several times, but all the other sports, they are going to be playing Oklahoma State. Those dates are going to be released eventually. But uh, basketball, baseball, um, softball, all, all those sports, Oklahoma is still going to be playing Oklahoma State. So it just kind of sucks that we're not going to have it in football. Maybe if, uh, you know, Michigan's football team uh, gets eliminated. Yeah. Uh, gets, never know. gets the death penalty or something. They could go back yeah. and uh, oh, schedule and you, a couple of games. You always have you know, other conference realignment. Maybe sure. Nebraska leaves the Big Ten. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, are you, you reporting know. that? Nope, I am not. <laughs> I am not. But you never know. With, conf with conference realignment, yeah. anything's possible. And all of a sudden, your schedule changes. I know Oklahoma State, uh, You know they had Colorado scheduled, I think, in 2036 and 2035. That's now no longer going to be available to them uh, because they're now in the Big 12. So... Uh, things like that could happen. Maybe something opens up. Who knows? College football is changing every day. I stand with uh, Joe Castiglione and almost getting decapitated in 2013 by uh, turkey legs that were raining down onto the uh, Boone Pickens field. But uh, that uh, when you talk about like college 
college football memories just in general. I think that like the bedroom rivalry and what it has become, and especially here over the last 20 years or so, and as successful as Oklahoma has been in these games with the 17-3 and record, I think that everything leading up to it, uh, whether it be in Norman or Stillwater, that's what makes kind of the pageantry of college football so great is that uh, you could have those two fan bases that go neck and neck and everybody has their talking points from either side of the aisle. Yeah. That's what makes it so great. And I think that, you know, growing up in Tulsa, I'm sure it was the same as it was for me growing up in Oklahoma City. Uh, kind of like we talked about on Tuesday with basically half of your high school going to one and then half of the other half going to the other. All, all my best friends from high school ended up going to Oklahoma State. Sure. Um, and they've been, you know, talking uh, this week. Uh, you know, they feel good about the game. But you think back to, I mean, I, some of my favorite memories of going to OU games was Bedlam. I think back to, I think it was 2012 maybe when Brennan Clay had the overtime touchdown yeah. uh, run. I remember that. I remember the Tyree Kill punt return. Uh, Which when, you always said was a good decision. They should have yeah, re-kicked it. Yeah, definitely should have re-kicked it. Um, you know, that, I would have done the same thing, Bob. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, those, again, I know it's been a bit of a lopsided rivalry, especially the last 20 years or so, but um, the game always seems something crazy always happens in this game, and uh, I wouldn't be shocked if, if come Saturday something fluky happens on the field at Stillwater. I know our buddy Katie McFarlane tweeted out the video from 2010. That kind of gets under the radar as yeah. one of the all-time Bedlam games. Back with and the forth. Back and forth. The and kick return the, I think Oklahoma State had in that yeah, game. Yeah. Uh, you had, um, was it Cam Kinney that had the big touchdown? Yeah. yeah. Uh, James Hanna. Um, some classic, classic moments. You think back, I mean, your guy Sam Bradford, the flip. Sure. Uh, you know, trying to get into the end zone. Just some, some awesome games. And, and I think Saturday... It feels like it feels like every year we always say, "Man, this bedlam is really building up to be oh, yeah. a big one." But this, this one, one truly could be because of exactly. the implications, right? Yep. And uh, you know, the 2014 game was un- was incredible. Oklahoma State coming down to Norman and winning, and I was living with. Uh, one and of even my- that game, both teams weren't great. If if no. we were, I mean, both teams were were really struggling that year, and it turned out to be a, a great game. I think that was the only game that Oklahoma State won. They to had get to them bowl to, eligible. Exactly right? correct. Yep. I was living with my uh, one of my best friends in the entire world, uh, Barrett Fuller at the time. He's an Oklahoma State grad, and uh, I returned home that night after uh, covering a game that just seemingly didn't end. Uh, you know, it, it took forever, and he had taken about six thousand post-it notes and just wrote the score on it and put it everywhere in the uh, everywhere. That's in the house. good stuff. Yeah. It was it was it was a good time. So that's uh, that's gonna do it. That is your Oklahoma state opponent preview it is going to be bedlam and stillwater coming up on saturday at 2 30 we will be back for the uh, instant reaction right here on the soonerscoop.com youtube page as well as the eskridge lexus post game show from bps on saturday evening really good slate in the college football world this is i mean huge slate for the big, big 12, 12. It, you've got iowa state kansas in in ames you've got kansas state texas and austin i mean we're going to have a, a very good picture of what the Big 12 is going to look like after this weekend as and, well. And particularly for these two teams yep. that have relatively easy schedules on the way in with the final uh, three games. Yep. Both the, control their own destiny. The three newcomers and then uh, you know the trip to Provo and uh, two home games against West Virginia and TCU for Oklahoma. Until Saturday night, we'll see you then.